cannot sleep? To strike an unarmed man is hardly the Jedi way. You're a Sith Lord. You have a very simple view of the universe. I am neither Sith nor Jedi. I am much more. And so are you. I see through your spells and visions, old man. Tell me what is going on here. Some call us force wielders. The Jedi have never spoken of this. Hmm. Few still know of our existence. Hello and welcome to episode four of Force Time. This is Travis and I'm here with Nick Peroni. Nick Peroni once again and today we are very excited because Clone Wars is coming back very soon and we just got a trailer. I've still only watched it one time. What do you think about the new trailer for uh, the new episode of Clone Wars? Well, it got me, it got me really excited. Obviously, I'm on my... Um uh, once Mandalorian was over, my next chore was to not chore was to watch all uh, duty was to watch all of Clone Wars again, and um, it's it's been great. I, I really really enjoyed the episodes and the and the trailer got me really hyped up for how how awesome this show is. Yes, I'm uh, very excited as well. I know the biggest thing that they announced the celebration was that they're doing mocap with Darth Maul and Ray Park, and it was really cool to see a little glimpse of that with him and Ahsoka, but really just seeing all the characters back and even some new characters. Very excited for this to come back. We would break it down, but like I said, I've watched it once. I don't know how many times you've watched it, but definitely not in the position to the break trailer? it down. Yeah, yeah. the trailer, I've watched it three times, and the, the one thing, it, it almost like it jumps into Revenge of the Sith because there's the, the hologram of Padme, she's pregnant. So I like, was kind of confused on that. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that because I don't remember that in Clone Wars, them getting to that point. Yeah, so it seems like instead of running up against it, it's running into it. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're going to see Order 66 again and maybe even a little bit further. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they tie it all together because I know that was the big thing with Resistance is supposed to, when it ends, it's supposed to butt up against the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but this one, yeah, it looks like we're we're going to get right right into it so we're gonna have to relive order 66 all over again and then another thing i guess okay this is kind of turned into a breakdown but huh. did you see that they kind of had a screenshot and it looked like there was a little canaan mm. in it i did i did man we should watch it uh here and, and do a live uh thought we had but yeah there's a, little, a lot of whole bunch of little breakdown things that i had and i hope also that they the, uh in these next episodes of Clone Wars, they kind of do like a time a, a flash forward, like they did at the end of Rebels, kind of brought you brought you up to speed to to after Jedi. Yeah, that would be great. But yeah, so like Nick said, we're digging into back into Clone Wars with it coming back out. So we've kind of I know I haven't been start I didn't start from the beginning go all the way through. I've just kind of been watching my favorite arcs. Talked about a lot what to what to cover, uh, but we settled on the Mortis trilogy. So the three episodes, uh, season three, I think it's episodes fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, I believe, uh, Overlords. Altar of Mortis and Ghosts of Mortis. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into those. Do you remember the first time you watched Mortis and what you thought about it? I remember the first time I saw it. 
being kind of confused. Obviously, we all know if you're into Star Wars, the Lord, you know the Chosen One prophecy. So that's basically what the trio of episodes centers around is the, the Chosen One prophecy, uh, Anakin bringing balance, and uh, to me, those three kind of representing Anakin in a way. When I first saw it, I remember kind of it just felt out of place. They got this, the distress call, and they showed up to a not planet planet, and then they were went into like a dream kind of the plane crashed but they didn't pilot it and at the end they all wake up and rex says you've been out of communication we can't get a hold of you so it was like kind of like what did they time space jump did they is it a dream is it a force vision you know but all three of them are having the same vision at the same time so when i remember when i first saw it i was kind of confused but i loved it i mean i loved the uh I love the story. I remember enjoying every bit of it. Just it was kind of confusing at the time, if I remember correctly. I was the same way. I, I think I liked it. I was one of those where I got done watching the first one, and it was just like, what? And what was that? There was it a guard. finish with the – it just didn't it, – it felt like it was like just jumped in. Not to cut you off, sorry. Uh, like it was just like – propped right into us learning more about all the clones and the different planet adventures that each Jedi master and clone army versus separatists. And all of a sudden it was just like this, here's this. And it stopped the story for these three episodes. It was just a weird placement. And then we have gargoyles and griffins uh, and just super (laughs) weird out of place stuff. But I think the more that I've watched it, the more I've appreciated it for sure. I know that first time just kind of being confused and like, what is going on? What's the point of this? But the more you watch, and especially as the saga has moved along and more of the ancillary materials that come out, it, you know, starts to make a lot more sense. And maybe it does. Maybe we understand things better. Maybe we still don't understand anything at all. That was kind of my, my thoughts as well. So I still don't quite understand it. I can tell you that after watching it probably another 10 times, I still, there's things, I think I started to get a grasp on it and then I go down a rabbit hole and I lose my way. <laughs> there might be more questions than answers <laughs> more than anything during the rest of this episode. I think that's probably going to be how it goes. We, we will be getting into spoilers, uh, obviously, but if you haven't watched Mortis, the trilogy, I would definitely suggest it. If you've never seen Clone Wars, I might not start with it because you'll, uh, I don't know what kind of impression you'll get about Clone Wars, but I would definitely uh, recommend it. I think it's required viewing if you're wanting to to get into Star Wars. So the way we're going to break this down is we're going to try to stick to this. And there's three episodes in this arc, and we're going to break it down into each each of the episodes. And then in the fourth section, we are going to try to figure out the Chosen One prophecy and figure out what it all means. And we'll see. We might get into that before we get to the fourth section. I'm sure we will a little bit, but we'll kind of break it down a little bit more by then. So we're going to go ahead and get started and we're going to start with Overlords. What? What? Uh, Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. Are you the one? Hello. Who are you? I am Donna. Are you the one? Uh, the one what? I will take you to him. 
Him who? Uh, did you bring us here? Only he can help you. There is little time. Follow me. We must have shelter by nightfall. Okay, so we are going to get into the first episode of the Morris Trilogy, Overlords. And again, before we go any further, there will be spoilers for other, I'm sure, animated series. The ending of Clone Wars as we know it so far, uh, maybe even some Rebels. So we will be getting into all, all sorts of spoilers. So just a forewarning. So Overlords starts with the they always have a saying at the beginning of the episodes and this one was balance is found in the one who faces his guilt so we're just going to start from the top and we're gonna see where this conversation takes us but uh basically the the jedi get a distress call from uh they don't know where i think it's the corinthium system it's a 2000 year old distress code Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka sent to investigate. They go there. They're supposed to rendezvous with Rex and his crew. And they get there. They don't see Rex and his crew. um, But they do see this giant-looking holocron thing just sitting there. And then it opens up. White light pulls them in. Uh, We don't know where they've gone. If it's a planet, what is it? What What are your thoughts? thoughts from the right from the beginning on what this what this place actually is you know i'm still not i, I still don't know for sure like uh, we talked about a little bit uh, earlier it's an old ancient jedi code that sends them they get sent out there so right in you're like okay jedi code ancient jedi code you're, you're already spinning um, what does that mean and then when they get there and they're there but rex isn't rex is at the coordinates and they're not there and then all of a sudden, they lose control of the spacecraft, and then the next thing they know, they wake up. There's a big white light, and they wake up on the planet. So when we first saw this episode, and even later down the road, Mortis wasn't even on the star map, or, or the the galaxy map. And then uh, later down the road, I can't remember what time, we looked at this a little bit before we, we talked about this, but Mortis was added to this so it wasn't a planet at first and then all of a sudden later they added mortis to the galaxy map so is mortis a planet mm-hmm. is mortis a planet in that system so that, so that you know i almost kind of forgot about like I, I thought it was a dream and then later when they added it you know when they usually add things like that it means something but like they add little things here and there to either make it canon or to, you know to for where they can pull from it later down the line that's what kind of confused me about it. Yeah, another thing that it's, I think it's listed in, I want to say the the Last Jedi Visual Dictionary, I think, when they're talking about uh, Octu and they're kind of saying that Octu is a lot like Dagobah and Mortis, and, which makes it seem like it is a planet. But I feel like Dagobah was like, it was just a planet that Luke went to. I think, you know, it's been said that time you know works differently there and it's kind of the same with octu but mortis isn't a planet that we see it's this giant thing and it sucks them in so are they traveling through time are they is it two thousand years ago that this is happening we don't really know but either way we're we understand that things are going to get they're going to get a little bit weird as we as we go along in this journey. So basically, the the trio gets there. Obi Wan, Ahsoka, they meet daughter right away, and they kind of I think Obi Wan asks, "What are you?" And she doesn't really give him an answer. They're just basically asking, you know, is it true? Are you the one? 
to yeah. Anakin, and that's the big that's what thing. She's saying in, in Anakin's head, he's hearing the daughter talk to him, saying, "Are you the one?" Which that yeah. When I remember first seeing it, it was like kind of blown away, like awesome. This is awesome. Like they're, they're finally referring to him as the one. Because even when we were watching Clone Wars as it as it stood, there was still this like. Is Anakin really the chosen one debate? Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't until George Lucas came out. I'm pretty sure he came out later and said he definitely was the chosen one. But at the time, you know, there was a little bit of debate. So, yes, yeah, she asked that right away. Or he hears that, you know, in, in, in his head twice. No one else can hear it because Obi-Wan can't hear it. That's right. Ashoka didn't hear it. Only Anakin heard it. Yep. Yeah, you're right. That's when we meet the daughter for the first time. They get split up. Anakin goes to try to find daughter. Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go back and then Anakin goes and goes to this temple looking thing and he meets father Uh, right around this time is when they each have visions. So Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, they hide for cover. They said that there's a storm coming. They go down to this cave that they just kind of jump down into to take cover. They each have visions. So Ahsoka has a vision of future Ahsoka. Obi-Wan has a vision of Qui-Gon, and then Anakin has what we think is a vision when he's in the temple with father, but it turns out to be brother, and his vision was of his mother. So I guess first thing to break down is Obi-Wan's vision with Qui-Gon. So Qui-Gon basically tells him Mortis is a conduit of the Force, uh, says the planet might corrupt Anakin unless he finds balance in his soul. So it's still kind of about Anakin. I think the first thing he says is, did you train him? Did you train the boy? And What stuck, what stuck out to me about that vision was the um, what Obi-Wan responds to Qui-Gon. He said, balance eludes him. So that's Obi-Wan's critique on Anakin so far. Yep. Balance eludes him. So he's pulling to either one side or the other. And obviously it's more times than not, it's the dark side. But that's the one thing that I wrote down that really, really was telling to me that, you know, he's still, he's doing everything. I think Obi-Wan, please, I've taught him everything I can teach him, but balance still eludes him. So uh, that's the thing that stuck out to me the most. Yes, and... Another thing that Qui-Gon says just about Mortis is that this is a place, uh, he says, it's a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. It says it's both an amplifier and a magnet. So we already know this place is unusually strong with the force. Uh, We don't know, is this where the force originated? Who knows? Again, it's going to be a thousand questions before we get any answers. But then I guess we can go into Ahsoka's vision. So Ahsoka gets a vision. Uh, It's her future self basically telling her to detach from Anakin or she'll be lost as well. This is this is my favorite part of the episode because I, obviously I love Ahsoka. Um, this this relationship is one of the great things of Star Wars, and for me personally, especially if you get into Rebels. When you, when you get to Rebels, guys, which you should watch, uh, you know um, the end of season two uh, when she finally faces Anakin again. Oh my gosh. Um, Chills every time I watch that episode. Side note, we can talk about Rebels later. The, the, the vision that she sees, you know, are you happy, child? Does your master treat you well? The training that he's, he's basically giving to you, he's, he's planting seeds of the dark side in you. 
you know, you'll never see your future if you don't leave him. Those are the, th- the main things that stuck that stick out to me in this vision that Ahsoka, uh, um, Ahsoka has. And as we go forward, you know, at the end of the end of Clone Wars, you know, spoiler when she leaves and to Rebels for that scene. I mean, it, it means so much. It, it puts it to me. It puts so much more into their relationship and how important it is. And it. I, I loved it. I, I love that part. I love Ahsoka. I love their relationship. I love the going, the back and forth that they have. Uh, yeah, it was cool to see her, her future self telling her basically not straight up telling her that, hey, what's going to happen to Anakin, but hey, if you stay with him. And that's the thing. What happens if she does you know, stay with him as his apprentice before she leaves the temple at the end of season five. What happens? Does she follow him to the dark side? You know, does she continue to think he's right? Or, you know, who knows? It was cool to see future Ahsoka. Uh, The next, yeah, the next one is Anakin. And so he has what we think is a vision of his mother, Shmi, which was first time you see it, you see Shmi and you're just super excited to see Shmi, you know, the kid needs his mother, obviously. And I think that goes to this entire, uh, once we get into father and daughter and uh, son a little bit more that, you know, there's no mother present there either. And, you know, that's something that they, the Jedi, even they take the younglings, they don't have their parents. I've always thought that was always kind of a major theme in Star Wars of, you know, kids need their parents, they need their mother, they need their father, everything like that. And so that's that's kind of, you know, that was the first thing that came to mind kind of rewatching this was this vision. But the the vision with his mother was definitely haunting. And then, yeah, so we get the vision and he basically says he failed her. And, you know, this really shows where his guilt comes from. And that's, you know, the whole beginning of this episode balance is found in the one who faces his guilt so anakin is kind of facing his guilt right now with his mother and saying i failed you uh you know i wasn't able to save you um and i know after the last jedi came out and after going back and watch this watching this again it really makes you think of the last jedi in a different light and especially with ryan johnson saying that he did watch the mortis episode how much it truly influenced who knows but obviously these kind of themes are present throughout everything because you see that with luke when he's facing kylo ren on crate uh saying the same exact thing saying i failed you and they both recognize that i think and you know luke was able to find balance in that guilt by finally being able to face Kylo Ren, face his guilt, come to terms with it. And, you know, right after we see him face Kylo Ren, he finds balance right then, you know, the ultimate balance. So yeah, I, the whole, the whole vision definitely haunting. Um, you know, he talks about his love for Padme and then, mother or his mother turns into son and then the son i think turns into the gargoyle and flies off anything else to add on on anakin's i agree with you uh the things that i wrote down really had a um you know i to be honest and i think i've said it before i i didn't see, think much of the last jedi when i first saw it and as i've watched it and and, and re-watching stuff like this i see a lot of similarities and it makes me appreciate it more so i will admit that especially to travis because it's one of his favorite his favorite movies so i will admit um being wrong there but yeah the um the two things that stuck out there and it's not the same line 
But when Luke said, you know, Luke says uh, no one's really ever gone. In Anakin's dream, it's not the same line, but it says, Shmi says, nothing really ever dies. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I felt like a correlation there. And and as Travis mentioned, Johnson did watch these and and then also took some advice from Filoni as well. So you can kind of see, and this is what I love Star Wars, when everything comes together and little things, you find things later down the road. That is what really gets me. And that's one of the things that I took from that. Um, and then Travis mentioned a little bit, um, I think also um, guilt doesn't define you, you define guilt. So I think that, like he said, that that does come in line back into the Celestia as well with, you know, Luke's kind of giving up everyone kind of, and me as well, um, not liking Luke's path. But when you kind of find little things here and there, you know, I really think that's kind of what happened to Luke with his relationship with Kylo Ren. Obviously, we're talking about Clone Wars here, but I just think that's that's really, really neat. You know, Anakin, through those seeds, you can kind of see, you know, he was too late to save her. He tasted vengeance. I think he said he tasted vengeance when he slaughtered those sand people. And obviously you saw that in Attack of the Clones. But, like, to hear him, you know, he's disgusted with himself. He's, you know, it's churning up all these emotions. So, like, that's what really gets me uh, when I see that scene. Like, that scene comes more full circle to me, if that makes sense. Going back to Luke, and I'm trying not to make this an entire Last Jedi episode, but I think that's probably why I've always been okay with that, him going through that journey in The Last Jedi because of who his father is and what his father went through. And Lor Santeca says it, you cannot deny the truth that is your family. And then we get Luke going down that similar path that that Anakin's gone, you know, and he doesn't go um, as far as Anakin does, but it's always there. So yeah, that was a great parallel, I thought. So after these visions, so then Anakin runs in, confronts father, you know, immediately calls him a Sith. I think father says something along the lines of, I'm not a Sith or Jedi. Um, force wielders, he says. Yeah. We're, and and few, few know of our existence. We're force wielders. Yeah, we... Uh, they they embody the life forms around us. I think I think something along those lines. Yeah, um, yeah. So Anakin pulls his lightsaber out. Father grabs the blade, and so immediately, you know, hey, are these things even human? Like, are are they just manifestations of the Force? Are they actual people, or, or are they just a physical um, being? You know, of what what the Force would look like. But yeah, he says they're Force wielders. Uh, he says a family in balance, the light and the dark, day with night, destruction replaced with creation, uh, which kind of goes back, I guess, when turns from day to night on Mortis that we see that right away too, where when it's daytime, it's beautiful. There's rocks floating. Um, there's plants. There's flowers. Everything, and there's then no it, animals. And no animals. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. Making a point to say no animals, which, which obviously we see animals or some kind of creature in almost every single scene of Star Wars and every planet, every visit we hear, there's some, some different type of animals. I thought it was kind of weird that they didn't mention that no animals. Uh, just a side note. Yeah, no, that was, that was interesting. And I was trying to figure that out earlier on why they mentioned that. Um, but yeah, so I guess there's really no f- possible physical beings. It's just these three that we don't even know if they're actual people or what they are. Um, 
but yeah, so, and then when it turns to nighttime, basically everything dies. So, and that, another shout out to The Last Jedi, when they're on Oct 2, when Rey's having her vision about the Force and what the Force is, she sees all these things. She say, sees day and night, she sees, uh, you know, death, she sees destruction, but she also sees light and hope and everything. So yeah, I thought that was a really cool contrast to see that, you know, you're seeing that on Mortis, literally, with the ground and the plants and everything. Then you're seeing that with Rey and The Last Jedi as well. But yeah, so basically, Father's trying to talk him through this, but it's not going anywhere. Anakin says, enough with the riddles, old man, which I thought was hilarious because that's such an Anakin thing to say. Tries to finally, you know, get to the bottom of of what's going on and father basically just tells him i want to find out if you're the chosen one and that's that's what it that's what it all was he basically lies lays it on the line i want to find out if you're the chosen one i'm getting old i'm dying we need to find out you get to pass the test or whatever basically is what he says you you need to pass uh pass one test and i'll let you leave or let you go on your own but basically it's a whole thing of him trying to decipher if he's the chosen one face your guilt know the truth and yeah he he straight up offers it and it kind of makes me think like what if he said yes what would that look like you know how would that bring balance yeah it might bring balance on this universe or this world or whatever but what would that mean for the galaxy obviously at this time you know when we see them in revenge of the sith i'll even jump that far ahead anakin's not there to kill dooku he also doesn't save palpatine versus mace windu and mace confronts him what does that mean for the galaxy if he stays there and he just disappears is him staying there and balancing son and daughter uh, gonna make everything okay on the other galaxy like what does that even mean yeah no i completely agree yeah um there's a whole bunch of the different scenarios of if he stays if he goes and if he does different actions you know uh, what does it mean to create balance you know he uh, he prevents windu from killing palpatine what if he doesn't do that does yeah. that create balance right and when he kills uh, mace window kills him at that point there's all kinds of different ways that this could go and i 100 percent agree if he stays there to balance the daughter and the son palpatine doesn't die i mean like so is it is that because palpatine doesn't get reason, his the only reason window goes there is because palpatine reveals himself to anakin at that point and tells him you know he almost kills him himself because he's this, he finds out he's the sith lord so, and, and would it have been, been easier for the Jedi to figure out because Anakin's not pretty much working for him the whole time, where as, you know, if he's not there, he doesn't have his inside guy anymore. You know, all he has is Dooku at this point, and they already know that after episode two, they know that Dooku, where his allegiances lie. So I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there. I think my favorite part of this point, obviously, it, I don't know if you were going here next, the son and the daughter steal Ahsoka and Obi-Wan and take them to where they're at. And uh, Anakin is supposed to choose which one he wants to save. But really, the father is testing him to see if he can balance those two sides. If he can control, it's not really of, hey, save one of them. It's just, I want to see you, if you can use your power, if you can believe in yourself to control both sides 
to see if you are the chosen and pass phase one of the test because he does say the first part of the test earlier in the episode Mm -hmm. and then when he does my favorite favorite part of this episode is he balances them when he makes them kneel or or whatever it is Mm -hmm. you can hear the imperial theme or vader's theme in the background every time i hear that like like it chills i love it even more because it's foreshadowing what is to come you know when you hear that and we hear that throughout all the episodes you hear Palpatine's theme or you hear Vader's theme or you hear different you know or you see the hear the twin sons theme to create this correlation uh, which is what again what we talk about which how much I love Star Wars and what it's about to me but I, I love that theme and I loved when he controlled that he balanced out he balanced he had control of them. he balanced them out and you still hear the Vader's theme so is Vader inevitable and this is what I think is Vader inevitable to create balance, obviously it is. We don't know at the time. Yeah, there's a lot, and yeah. So Anakin balances them. Father proclaims at that point that he is the chosen one, mm-hmm. and that he will bring balance to this galaxy, to the other galaxy. He straight up asks him to take his place for him on Mortis, and then Anakin just flat out declines. Yeah. So yeah, he he gives him the option. If you leave this, your your selfishness will haunt you, and then you can see that throughout still in his in Anakin's arc, mm-hmm. his selfishness. Um, obviously, when we, we've already touched on this, when Mace is about to strike Palpatine down and end the Sith, bring the Force to balance. To what we think, mm-hmm. his. He wants to save Padme. His selfishness again acts out and prevents Windu from laying that 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 final blow, creating this turn of what we were seen to. But it's almost later when we watch these episodes that's still supposed to happen. So it still messes with your your head. Yeah, and that just really sucks for Anakin too because we start his story in episode one with my mom says the biggest problem in the galaxy is that no one helps anybody and all he wants to do is help Qui-Gon and you know help them get their you know get their supplies so they can leave and then it leads to well now the Jedi are gonna take him in and hey let go of your mother you don't need her anymore let go of your attachments and then that leads to selfishness so it's just a vicious cycle for uh, for Anakin Skywalker I think that that kind of wraps up the first episode. So we're going to go ahead and move on to Altar of Mortis. The chains. The chains are the easy part. It's what goes on in here that's hard. Don't you see, child? You are alone now. If you are to survive, you must forget your master. Mm. I don't think I... What have you done? You are mine now. (gasps) Okay, so we are on to Altar of Mortis. So at the end of the last episode, it looks like the trio's leaving, and then you wait a week back when it was weekly, and boom, still on Mortis right from the beginning. They go to leave, and we get thrown right into a nightmare uh, that Anakin is having. So 
it's of himself on Mortis and he's kind of walking towards himself. And that really reminded me also of, of Ray in the cave, uh, on Octu walking towards herself in the, in the mirror cave or whatever you want to call it. And they're still on the chosen one thing it says, it's true what they say. You are the chosen one. And then right after that, he turns into sun and then they kind of have a conversation. He wants him to join him. Anakin says, I will never join the dark side willingly. So he doesn't just say, I'll never join the dark side, but he throws in that willingly, uh, which is that doubt in the back of his mind. You know, what is that exactly? Sun keeps prodding him, saying they can bring balance. And then Sun says something that really is a parallel to Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi when he says, we'll destroy the Sith and the Jedi. And then, and the Jedi is in... Palpatine's voice and then also what else was it that was in Palpatine's voice he said uh, my friend like he says that when he says my friend it's when he's talking to Yoda uh, that's that's what made me remember that it sounded like Game of Thrones when he says my little green friend like yeah my friend like that was completely Palpatine's voice and I don't know it's just in my head but I feel like 100% that's Palpatine's voice to foreshadow what's to come yeah, and I don't know, since it is a vision, because this one is, he's sleeping, yeah. so it's not actually happening, mm-hmm. so it's not actually uh, Sun saying this in his voice, but it's basically uh, Palpatine's voice that they just kind of throw in there. I don't know if that's ever been 100% confirmed, but you can definitely tell that that is Palpatine. So he has this vision, and then almost immediately, Sun comes in, kidnaps, kidnaps Ahsoka, turns back into his gargoyle form. And Anakin and Obi-Wan have to go rush to get her. So Anakin and Obi-Wan, they get in the ship, they go to try to save Ahsoka, and then we kind of cut to Ahsoka in this prison cell. And we don't exactly know what's going on, but there's this little weird purple monkey thing we don't know i don't know strangest thing almost like a little hobbit like i don't know exactly what this thing is but he basically starts talking to ahsoka and you know he's basically placing that doubt in her mind about anakin and that he's not going to come and save her Um, he says you know you've been left to die so you kind of think that this is just someone else but then you figure it out that he is son and so uh, I, think, I think he says in there forget your mat you need to forget your master to survive so he's echoing what her initial dream had said in the first episode uh so he's placing that doubt in her head even more just like that vision and then he bites her on the arm which is like super creepy yeah. bites her says you are mine now and we find out his brother all along uh she passes out but she, her face kind of turns color where you can tell she's kind of going to the dark side or she's you know under his control mm. So then after that, son goes to father, blasts him with lightning, like he's ready to kill him. He basically has this big fight with him, has this red lightning, looks really cool in animation, and then kind of throws him out of the temple. Uh, This is when Obi-Wan and daughter show up, so they don't see this happen. And this is where we kind of figure out the problem with too much light side. So that yin and yang of that we've kind of seen with Ray, that we've seen with Kylo Ren, even with Luke of having light and dark and that powerful light, powerful dark. We see the problem with that because this is when daughter, um, she shows herself, you know, she's too far on the light side that she says, you know, she doesn't believe that son could do that, even though, you know, Obi-Wan knows, knows what just happened. 
Yeah, and and Obi Wan at the time basically pleads with her to help. You know, you you and Anakin can best the son, and that's when he convinces her that he's too powerful, or we need to really really stop him. And that's when the daughter recognizes that you know what, maybe I do need to intervene and show Obi Wan. How to stop him. Done, which Anakin at this point, he has gone to, to find Ahsoka. So that's why Obi-Wan and him were kind of split up. So yeah, Obi-Wan asks her for help. She refuses, but then she takes him to the altar to get this force dagger or whatever you want to call it. Obviously, this very ancient, uh, it basically appears out of thin air. It's a dagger. We find out, obviously, later what kind of damage this can do with these three beings. Is Probably this is the only thing that can defeat any of them. And we find uh, out later that this is his his plan the entire time his, his plan the entire time is to these he's created this chain of events to get the dagger he wants the dagger um he's planned this the whole way kind of like palpatine to be honest like this is gonna little mapped out his plan he wanted to get the dagger and he gets it later yeah and and all yep and all this has pretty much when son shows up with father he gets even darker and darker and darker. The daughter is still, it's not his fault. Her quote, which I thought was great, was, my nature is to do what is selfless, but my brother's will always be what is selfish. So that's another thing, just throwing those two completely opposite sides, why there needs to be a balance between you know the ultimate good and the ultimate evil. Uh, so they go into this cave, which is pretty much a giant tree, and it really looks like the tree from octu as well just like a giant version of it uh so they go they go in it opens up you know it's it's just huge inside there's stairs leading down to the altar uh she says she can't go to get it but she tells obi-wan to go get it so then she says he who wields the blade will be able to control my brother so that's when we know that you know obviously this is special so obi-wan goes to gets it it's very spiritual like the entire process of him picking it up and like the music and the camera angles where it's kind of circling around him and the blade pretty much forms out of thin air so he gets the dagger we cut back to Anakin. Now he's at the tower to get Ahsoka, but then we find out, yep, she's definitely evil. And we get that creepy line, and Ashley Eckstein was so freaking good in this episode as Ahsoka, where she just like completely turns from sweet, positive Ahsoka to evil, super evil, dark side Ahsoka. And I yeah, hate it when you call me Snips. Yeah, yeah, it calls her <laughs> Snips. Uh, she also says, are you proud of me, Master? And then she lays it on the line for Anakin. If you don't join him, he will kill me. So this is even further manipulation by the son, trying to get him to join him on the dark side, help him defeat father so they can they can take over the galaxy. So the son and daughter start a fight. Uh, and my favorite part about this little scene is this little quip, and obviously it, it ties back to A New Hope and even Return of the Jedi. She's saying that he's wrong for doing what he did. And the son says to the daughter... Right or wrong, it's all depending on your point of view. And obviously we've, you know, in the New Hope and Return of the Jedi, we hear this line depending on your own point of view. Um, so again, tying in with all this other story, uh, that's that's my favorite line from this episode. Yeah, it's even that 
call forward really canonically to revenge of the sith and you know from my point of view the jedi are evil yeah. and so it, it just it ties in with that really well father finally comes back to and stops the fight and then we cut back to obi-wan he gives the blade to anakin says it it will help kill son well one. that's when obi-wan th- th- tries to throw it to anakin and that's when it's intercepted by ahsoka and Ahsoka takes it to the son. Yeah, he, the son. The son reveals that that's has been his plan the entire time. And then at that time, he basically absolves Ahsoka. He doesn't need her anymore, and that's he, he basically kills her. He, you know, he he touches her. She drops dead. I can't remember. This is bef- beforehand. Is is this when uh, the daughter gets stabbed? Yeah, this is when the daughter gets uh, stabbed in the back trying to save the father. Yeah, so father, they're all there, all together. Ahsoka gives the blade to son. That's when father sees the blade and is kind of mad at daughter for showing them. You know, she apologizes to father. Brother basically kills Ahsoka. Uh, Brother goes to kill father, but then sister steps in front, sacrifices herself, and then that makes son very upset he flies off very creepily and this was the part of the part of the entire trilogy that i was hoping after watching the rise of skywalker to kind of see this in a different light because uh with resurrection and kylo ren you know saving ray in the end after ray has you know saved him and transferring that life life force i was hoping to kind of see that in a different light and i kind of do son goes to kill father but daughter sacrifices herself and gets stabbed. So Ahsoka looks like she's dead. Father pulls out the blade and he says, what have I done? Which is a classic callback, of course, to Anakin saying, what have I done after helping Palpatine defeat Mace Windu? And then daughter again shows her goodness, says, do not hate him, father. It is his nature. And then he has the great line, all is lost. The balance has been broken. I thought by bringing you here, I would. But I destroyed everything. He also says, mourn all I have done and all that is yet to be. So that's a, also a great line to saying, like, look, look at what I've created and what's going to happen down the line. It's literally every single line that Father has in here in the entire series is like could write down write that down and write an essay on yeah. it on how it relates to literally every single movie and I I think that's the point that he is the balance and he just he nails it on every level everything that he's he's talking about at this point the planet starts turning dark of course because you know there's no light with with daughter anymore father says i cannot undo what is done and says there's no hope and then anakin says yes there's always hope so that's when daughter points at ahsoka and this is when kind of everyone just knows what to do which i was kind of confused on anakin just goes kneels in between ahsoka and daughter and father just kind of standing there between them and then he transfers what's left of daughter's life force into ahsoka to save ahsoka bring her back which was interesting because daughter didn't have very much life force left like she was almost dead anyways but it brought ahsoka who was fully dead i mean she looked as dead as you could be and brings her all the way back so i guess after seeing the rise of skywalker too this kind of makes me think even more about ben solo he you know him and ray were kind of on the same point after uh the emperor kind of disposed 
of both of them. They were both about equal on how much life force they had left. I don't know if this is even, you know, I don't think you can measure it necessarily. But then in the end, he's he's just as, you know, alive as Ray was, but he brings her back completely. Did he have to use all of his life force? Is he somewhere else? I'm going to die on this hill forever that Ben Solo is alive somewhere, and huh. I, I'm just going to. But And I'm going to use this to talk myself into it. But daughter didn't need to use her entire life force. She was already dead. Ben Solo did. So I don't know. It was interesting. And you know, I was hoping that Rise of Skywalker would kind of dig into that a little bit more, but they really didn't. Uh, I don't know how you do that with something like this, bringing an animated series and bringing something as off the wall kind of from what we're used to seeing. But yeah, it would have been interesting. But Rebels did. Rebels did in a way. Rebels brought... Soka's introduction. I feel like a lot of the the things that we've learned through Rebels also pertain to the daughter, how she runs to the light now. Um, uh, a lot of the Force-sensitive creatures, the Force-sensitive beings, like kind of um, follow her. And you learn this through Rebels. Um, you know, we find later down the road... When we get to Rebels, a spoiler alert, the war between worlds, where we have the, the mortis, or we have the, excuse me, the, the painting of the father, the son, and the daughter, and uh, that's where Ezra goes to save Ahsoka from an earlier episode where we think that she may be dead. So obviously she she takes a lot of the traits of the daughter with her, which is, again, this is tying us into all these different little weaves of the little story, which I love. Mm-hmm. And you have to watch Star Wars Rebels to understand that as well. Yeah, and we could have a whole nother conversation where we ask more questions and get answers uh, with World Between Worlds. And maybe that's something we'll tackle in the future. But yeah, it's it's cool how that comes back up in that. So yeah, there's definitely, I don't know, there was a way to bring that in. But again, this, and this goes back to what Dave Filoni has said about this from the beginning, is that this was George's thing like this was george's vision about the force about what everything means and it's kind of hard to do that without george lucas actually doing it and writing it so yeah it was was just an interesting way to look at things after the rise of skywalker with resurrection being you know something that we that we see and then the episode ends with father saying as balance crumbles so shall war escalate in your galaxy i think it's interesting he says your galaxy like we are in a completely other galaxy right now which is still i think probably you know even though it is on that map it seems like when they go into that holocron looking thing, they're in a different time. They're in a different galaxy. I think it does have the effect on on the galaxy we're used to seeing, but looks like it's just an entire different galaxy. So it kind of seems like after this, the Sith had gained even more strength in the galaxy. So then Anakin says, well, stop your son. Father says, no, you must leave. So basically says you made your choice. You can you can go. Yeah, and and so again, we're left hanging no power here or something along those lines. And so yeah, we're left thinking again that they're going to leave. They're getting out of Mortis and that's that's the end of it, but that'll uh take us right into the next episode um that we're going to talk about Ghosts of Mortis. What if I can show you the future? No, stop it. Know yourself. Know 
Okay, so we are on to the final episode of the Mortis Trilogy, Ghosts of Mortis. Again, this episode starts out with them on the ship, getting ready to leave. So surprise, we're still on Mortis. Uh, We're going to stay here for another 22 minutes of the episode. So the ship is broken. So Anakin decides to go find Father. He needs more answers. It's not exactly sure what what we need from Father, but he's not Anakin's not feeling resolved about leaving still with with just son there alive. He knows that, you know, the balance is out of whack. He's got to go figure out what's Father going to do about this. So we shift to Father and he's burying daughter in this big tomb-like area that I'm going to talk about a little bit later, but with the dagger. So he puts the dagger in her hands, buries her. This is when Anakin confronts father, and they have this conversation. And this is another going back to Last Jedi. Going to keep doing it. But he says to Anakin, you cannot imagine what pain it is to have such love for your children and realize that they can tear the very fabric of our universe. Which, again, Luke with Kylo Ren, there's the split second that he has where he pulls his lightsaber on Ben Solo as a young kid. After he looks into his mind, he sees that he is going to basically tear the very fabric of our universe. He's going to destroy everything he loves. It's it's almost that same sentiment that Luke would have had. You know, you cannot imagine what pain it is to have such love. Obviously, it's not his child, but his nephew, and realize what, what they can do with that power. So that's another just, not even a callback, but another uh, way that, you know, The Last Jedi just ties into these themes so well. And then Anakin basically says, what will you do You know, now that he's given himself to the dark side? And Father responds, it is my actions that have un- unleashed great danger upon the universe. I must kill him. You know, and that sounds exactly like Luke's inner dialogue in that split second of, you know, he realized what, what Ben Solo is going to do to the universe. He must kill him. Obviously, Luke makes a conscious decision not to do that. But you could, you could say that that's kind of an inner dialogue of what seen with Luke there. So we move forward. Anakin has another vision. Again, there's so many visions. There's so many dreams that happen with this planet that basically is the Force. This time it's of Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon tells him to go to the well of the dark side for answers. He says, do you you believe you're the chosen one? Bring balance to the Force. Remember your training. Trust your instincts. I believe are the words that he says. Yep, same thing that he he told him back on Tatooine, and so yeah, we so we see the dark side well, and it again, Last Jedi, we have a dark side well that Ray dives headfirst into, so he goes to the dark side well. Anakin gets confronted by the sun at the well. This is like the coolest part of the episode, I think, is when Sun shows him exactly what's going to happen. I mean, literally exactly what's going to happen. He shows him what happens with Padme. He shows him what happens with the Emperor. He shows him, you know, I think we even get the line of, I hate you, the Obi-Wan there. So we get all these visions, and then that's when we see the Darth Vader mask come to life over Anakin with the great music once again. I think that was probably the best part maybe of the entire trilogy uh, when we get all that imagery throughout yeah i think he on uh for all we want to hear is you are my brother anakin yeah and then you have padme screaming 
and you have they show which which hits me every time they show younglings now mm. in the vision they show a different youngling than what we see in the revenge of the sith when he actually draws his lightsaber to kill them you, know, you, you basically see that master skywalker what are we to do and then he slaughters them all but yeah they they show younglings when he comes out of that vision he's just like Oh my God! I, I've done terrible. I'll do terrible things. And then, then that's when Son offers him a chance to join him. And this is—I mean—it's almost exactly what happens with Palpatine having him join him. Which goes back to the exact quote from the beginning of the episode: "Is he who seeks to control fate shall never find peace." And that's Anakin's thing throughout. He's trying to control fate. He's always trying to do that throughout his entire story. Kind of along those lines. Yeah, he tried to find his mother and failed he tried to stop his mother from dying and failed he tried to prevent ahsoka from leaving the order he failed all these things he tried and failed to do which coincides with what you know we're talking about here so son offers him a chance to change everything Anakin immediately takes that. I mean, it's, it barely takes anything at all. He doesn't want to see any of that stuff coming to fruition. So he immediately turns dark. And then Obi-Wan shows up, obviously too late. Instead of Anakin and son killing Obi-Wan or doing anything like that, they just kind of trap him down there by pushing his speeder into the lava. So then we get Ahsoka coming to save him. And then we get... He call, Obi-Wan calls Ahsoka to disable the ship because... This is the one thing that bothered me about this episode. The very beginning, they were saying, Father says the first thing the son's going to do is take your ship so he can leave. But yet it takes like five hours for him to like locate the ship. I mean, he could have done that right away to take the ship to escape. To yeah, do whatever was... he was going to do. It was just weird how they're like, next thing he's going to do is try to get on your ship to leave. And there's like 30 minutes to an hour of <laughs> of ship repairs. Like it's not like it's an entire galaxy. It's one planet. I'm pretty sure the sun, uh, the sun knows where the ship is. <laughs> yeah, he definitely definitely took his time. And I don't know if that was him needing to wait to get the dagger to try to kill father or what he was trying to do with that. But yeah, definitely. And then I I did really like that Ahsoka spent all that time <laughs> fixing the ship and then Obi-Wan calls her and says, uh, disable the ship. She's like, really? Like, really? I just got done fixing everything. So Anakin shows up there. Ahsoka leaves on a speeder, goes to save Obi-Wan. And then we get this creepy, creepy shot of Sun going to Daughter's grave. And this... This shot of him getting the dagger from the tomb and taking it from her hands was almost a shot for shot of in Harry Potter when Voldemort gets the wand from Dumbledore. I don't know if you caught that, but it was, and, and I think they came out about the same time, but it seemed like a pretty clear like parallel of that, that same exact shot. Uh, the only difference was that Voldemort was super creepy about it and just like got right in Dumbledore's face and no remorse, pure evil. Whereas brother, at this point, you know, he says, you were the only person I ever loved. And you see a little tiny bit of compassion there from him right away. So I thought that was a very interesting choice there. I just like that you see the other side of the dark, basically. You know, he does love his sister. He tells her, like, this, I didn't want this to be, you're the only one that I've ever loved. He, he is showing 
a soft side. He does love his sister and he is ashamed, sad, angry that this these events have taken place to get what he wants. Yeah, which is interesting because we've pretty much seen him just grow more evil and evil throughout these three episodes. And then we see that with with daughter and we kind of see where that soft spot is. So then father confronts Anakin, basically says, you know, my son has shown you the future. He wipes his mind. And so Anakin doesn't remember any of these visions, which really in the end of all this, when they leave, they don't remember any of it anyway. So I don't know if it would have mattered, but obviously that gets him to turn back to the light. And then we get the the final showdown. Sun shows up. What's telling about that scene is... So basically, they've been showing him or trying to manipulate Anakin this whole arc to kind of get him to go either way or whatever. And the father says, the son has broken the rules by showing you what you've seen. And then he basically erases his memory. He says, what you have seen must be forgotten to bring balance. So what he saw, and what we'll talk about here in a minute... Right. So if he remembers that, what happens? Does he get even more evil and do even worse things like right away or what? I mean, does he try to shy away from it? Does he like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I can't be like this. I have to whatever. But I think his love for Padme still supersedes all of this, which is what she mentions to me in the first episode. You know, I think Palpatine's setting this, manipulating this up. I can, you know, I can prevent her from dying. He's going to see that force vision anyways. So yeah, I don't know. This is where all this intertwine. It makes you think like, what if, what, what all this. It's, it's a mess. All of it. There's so many different ways that, that all this could be interpreted. So son shows up, father force pulls the blade, the dagger to himself, stabs himself. And then, and son, again, showing compassion, hugs father, and this is where Anakin comes in, finally kills son. So now we have all three, father, son, daughter, all dead or dying. So father, with his dying breath, says that Anakin is the chosen one and that he brought balance here and will again in his own galaxy. If so, he stays on his current path, if he stays on the current path, he will bring balance. But beware your heart. Yeah, beware. So if he stays on his current path, and you take that two ways, it's his current path to continue to serve the Jedi and to eliminate the dark side, to eliminate the Sith, or you know whatever it comes down the load. But beware your heart. But obviously, the heart is his love for his friend, his Padawan Ahsoka, and then when she leaves, that tears a bit of him away. His love for Padme. Beware your heart. You know trying to find a way to cheat death to prevent her from dying and the forces that he has. So it's kind of confusing on beware your heart. So what if he did beware his heart? What if he did like release attachments? What would have changed? What would have been different? Right. Uh, and how is beware your heart different than let go of all that you fear to lose? You know, how do, how is that? Is that different than what Yoda said? Is that kind of the same thing? Were they both correct in, in that thinking i don't know but we'll get into that in a couple minutes so that's that's the last we have from father saying you brought balance in this galaxy you will again in your own galaxy um, but beware your heart so that's the last thing he says then the planet pretty much crumbles 
it almost looks like it is disappearing. I, I don't know if that's really bringing balance or if that he just destroyed everything, but Father seems to think that, you know, balance is there. They're all dead. Uh, then we get a bright white light. Trio wakes up. They're in the ship uh, where they started and no time has passed. So that goes back to they did they go, they traveled through time. They traveled to a different galaxy. Who knows? It could be interpreted thousand different ways any final thoughts on the episodes before we get into the chosen one prophecy like i said they're they're great episodes um like i said a little confusing when you first maybe watch them especially if you're watching them in like the chronological order or the order of episodes released it just doesn't fit the timeline but if you've watched all of clone wars all the movies and rebels these episodes like just blossom like a flower you know they just unfold to release so many more thoughts immediately when we saw the rise of sky or when i saw excuse me when i saw rise of skywalker and i'm waiting for anakin to make an appearance and at the very end he says bring balance to the force like i did it immediately made me think of these episodes you know like okay so he was the chosen one he brought balance to force and i'm sure we'll get talk we'll talk more about this you know in our explanation at the end but that's what drew me to revisiting these episodes once I saw Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and jump ahead. We'll get into the Chosen One prophecy, see if we can make sense of any of this. Master Qui-Gon, more to say of you? With your permission, my master, I have encountered a virgins in the Force. A virgins, you say? Located around a person? A boy. The cells have the highest concentration of midichlorians I have seen in a life form. It is possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? Okay, we are going to jump in to the Chosen One prophecy. The Mortis trilogy overall was really centered on the Chosen One. What that means, I think this has been debated since the first time the chosen one was even mentioned there's been all sorts of different interpretations of what that looks like did he was he the chosen one did he bring balance to the force we thought so after return of the jedi then we get a sequel trilogy and force is kind of out of whack again so is it really the chosen one is there more than one chosen one that needs to continue bringing it, uh, balance I don't know. We're, we're going to try to dig into it. So luckily with Master and Apprentice, which came out, I think earlier last year, 2019, I believe I'd have to double check that, but Claudia Gray wrote this book. Great book. It, it really got into a lot of these prophecies. It got into the Jedi. It was the first, I think, canon material that we got that was set prior to the Phantom Menace. So we actually get what the prophecy is. So before that, it was always like the chosen one prophecy, this or that, he's going to bring balance. But this really breaks it down. So I'm going to go ahead and read it real quick. And then we're going to just break it down and put it into context of the Mortis arc. So only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance in the force be restored. So, lot to unpack here. 
what does this mean? Do we really know? I think to really dig into it, if we can start from the beginning, break down this prophecy a little bit. Do you want to go that route? I mean, we can go from the beginning to the end. The Phantom Menace, we find out that Anakin, Qui-Gon sees something in this boy. And then he seems to, and then he finds out that this boy was born without a basically a father. He sends his midi-chlorian blood test to Obi-Wan and his midi-chlorian count is off the charts. So obviously right there we know that Anakin is the chosen one. Or, you know, we come to find out later. But obviously this is leading us down that path. I think before this book came out, too, I think probably everyone could kind of guess that last line. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance and the force be restored. That seems pretty straightforward. Anakin, he came, born of no father, and after Return of the Jedi, through him will ultimate balance and the force be restored. So the fact that there's these added lines put in the front of, and, you know, and before that, in the prophecy, it almost kind of makes you think of how the entire nine saga film series was made where you think you have the full story but really you don't first you have the middle of the story that you get and then you get the beginning of the story and then you get the end of the story so they kind of added all these lines the first line is only through the sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. So, like I said, this is before the Phantom Menace. To me, that makes it sound like it, it makes it sound like the people of the galaxy or even the clones, honestly, that were killed in the war by Jedi by you know the opposition of the Jedi, but everybody that's been killed um, for the, any meaningless war. And so, yeah, it says, Only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. Sacrifice of many Jedi, we see that with Order 66, which Anakin is involved with heavily. Even before Order 66, we see many of the sacrifice of Jedi. It's not just Order 66. Jedi die with them being involved when they really shouldn't be to begin with. Yeah, you could take it that way. And I guess the reason I thought of Order 66 was it says, will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless? So it mean, it sounds like you're going to get rid of all of them. There's been many sacrifices of many Jedi throughout. Yeah, once we do get to Order 66, finally, Anakin was involved with it. And so maybe they had to go through that to finally get balance. You know, we had 10,000 Jedi and allegedly no one on the dark side in that galaxy. You know, they didn't think there was any Sith or anything like that. So is that really balance if if it's, you know, too much of the light side? The next line is the danger of the past is not the past. So at this point in time, the Jedi think that the Sith are extinct, but Sidious is just waiting for his time to strike. This leads us into the next line, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. This kind of reminds me of when Sidious reveals himself and takes over. Obviously, Anakin's involved with that. Also, the next line was really interesting. When the Force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. This line, again, made me think of how the actual movies have worked where we have the present with the original trilogy. It was made first. That is the present. The past is the prequel trilogy, and the sequel trilogy is the future. So this goes into the prequel trilogy, 
and the sequel trilogy must split and combine to inform what happens in the original trilogy. So it doesn't it doesn't split and combine to create the original trilogy, but it is created to inform it. So balance at the end of each trilogy looks different. So at the end of the prequel trilogy, and I'm going to go into a Freddie Prince Jr. a little bit here, but we have Luke and Leia born at the end of the prequel trilogy, and we have Sidious and Vader on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. The original trilogy, we have Luke and Leia still alive, and Sidious now we realize has been alive the whole time at the time it wasn't at all but again maybe that's why they kind of redid this prophecy or made it a little bit updated to to what we're looking at now so we have luke and leia and we also have sidious that are alive then we get the sequel trilogy and what happens at the end of the sequel trilogy is ray with luke and leia behind her in spirit but gone versus nobody on the dark side now sidious is gone and now we think that the Sith are gone. So it looks a lot different with each trilogy, but when is it really balanced? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't, I don't think we really know what, what, when it's balanced. I mean, that's, that's my whole problem with the rise of Skywalker. Um, when Anakin says to Rey, bring balance to the force like I did. So basically when he threw Palpatine down the shaft reactor, that to him now is what created balance. But it kind of poo-pooed on really the whole importance of this whole dang trilogies before it, that all of a sudden, so he didn't die. Palpatine didn't die. So therefore, did he ever create balance? He says he did. So for 34 years of free reign while he was down there building all those superstar destroyers that was peace that was balance my god there was sure as a hell a lot of a you know the three most powerful force wheelers died all the master jedi died Uh, a lot of clones died the whole galaxy died Uh, a lot of death had to happen for this prophecy to come true for only to last 30 plus years and that's what really bothered me about rise of skywalker once i first saw it it just kind of it just kind of shat on the whole chosen one prophecy which go back into this arc that we're talking about today made such a poignant point to talk about that anakin is the chosen one and that he will bring balance and i have no doubt after watching it and after seeing all this that he would indeed, and that I thought he did, and then the the whole neutrally kind of kind of just turned it on his back for me, for me personally. The fact that he says, "Yeah, bring the balance as I once did," it doesn't seem like the balance is not forever. It can be balanced, obviously, many times, and that's kind of why. So did Ray bring balance? Did Kylo bring balance? It, was, it was was is Kylo, since he's a Skywalker, acting? You know, so you you give me the line that okay, so through him, possibly it's Kylo, it's Kylo because or Ben Solo, however you want to say it, he's he's a Skywalker. But Anakin says to Ray, "I brought balance to the Force," so that kind of through him kind of throws Ben Solo out of the equation. So it was Anakin that brought 
balance to the force. But yet it only lasted 30-something years. To me, I, I just can't stomach that. I just can't. It's <laughs> it's it very... Hundreds and hundreds of years. New set of trilogy. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, new Star Wars crawl. There was an awakening in the force, and it's all starting again. Not 34 years later, <laughs> or whatever the amount is. Yeah, you could you could make the argument, and like I said, the balance looks different at the end of each trilogy. After the prequel trilogy, it's super dark, right? Yeah. It's basically the galaxy is in ruins. You know, the Emperor is taking over the Empire. But you have this hope that Anakin, indirectly, is mostly Padme, that brought Luke and Leia into the world. Right, and so there's that glimmer of hope, and then at the end of the original trilogy, you get Anakin coming back and getting rid of Sidious, not all the way, but for a while, bringing balance for a while again, and then so that's Anakin as well having a part in that, and then after the sequel trilogy, definitely not Anakin. He did not do anything here, but through not his kids this time, but through his grandson. You could say that he brought balance by saving Ray at the end of the trilogy. You could say that. Could I'm say stretching. That. You could say I'm that. Really, he didn't because he said he did it. <laughs> so. Well, that's why they had to write the new Chosen One prophecy <laughs> saying, and through him, well, ultimate balance in the Force. But the, again, it says ultimate balance. There, there's no ultimate balance in either of the first two trilogies but in the I'd third like to be comic of a guy from the simpsons to ask on a panel to uh <laughs> jj or kathleen or whatever in a panel and say excuse me uh, it seemed I'd love for a better explanation yeah and and they were leaning so hard into that chosen one prophecy in 2011 with the mortis arc which is george's vision and then it seems like they didn't really talk about the balance of the force much in the sequel trilogy. I know we get that right from the get-go with Lor Santeca saying, you know, without the Jedi, there can be no balance in the force. Yeah. But other than that, you know, we do get it in The Last Jedi with Luke talking a lot about the Jedi and about Sidious and, and everything like that. But in the final chapter, we don't get much other than we get bring the balance as I once did. Yeah. But... It wasn't ultimate balance, and it's also not through him because this is Ray. Now we're trying to quantify balance. That's what bothers me. Like it shouldn't. It should be clear cut. It should be. I get what you're saying, and I get the points, and I, I can see where, where you're trying to to do it. But I also think we're trying to like rationalize. That's pretty much what a lot of, especially the Rise of Skywalker, is is trying to trying to stretch in certain places to make sure it all it fits. Really Which and the more and more time as time goes on, I like the movie less and less. I like the movie. I, I'm not a one of the haters. I will not go on Twitter and just blast someone for what their opinion is or and say it's a terrible movie. It's a it's a it's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. There's parts that I like and there's parts that I don't. But when it comes to Star Wars as a whole, when we're trying to be told this story and created this this arc that we've been following, the continuity just to me is just off. And I can't I can't be convinced otherwise because I've tried to look at both sides of it and I'm just not finding it. And to be fair, through the 
even the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, there was a lot of things that you really have to walk through to, to you really have to stretch to make it make sense. Uh, Leia, you know, with her remembering her mother, even though she died in childbirth, what was that? Was it force visions? You know, that could be a head cannon. There's a lot of things that you have to walk through. But yeah, and we're getting way away from Mortis right now, but yeah. it seemed like Mortis had it a we more it. clear a more clear vision of what balance may be. And I think at that time it was that he brought balance at the end of Return of the Jedi. But if Sidious is back, then you know, didn't necessarily do that. In regards to the Mortis arc and the trilogy to all these movies themselves, I, I take a lot of similarities. The Luke scene when he's on Dagobah and he goes into the cave on Yoda's behest and he fights up against, uh, or lines up against Vader. And then he cuts off Vader's head and then he sees himself. He sees what could happen if he stays on the path that he's on. If he takes the quick and easy right, he can be, end up just like Vader. That's how I took it. And that, that, that directly, to me, ties in. If Anakin does these certain things, he's going to end up like Vader. So the, the similarities to me, you know, the, the selfish acts, you know, if he leaves the effect that it'll have on him and the galaxy, you see that throughout the all the selfish acts that Anakin creates. He creates a selfish act when he tries to save, we talked about this before, he tries to save Padme, so he lets Mace Windu not kill Palpatine. You know, these, these, these selfish acts that define him, which he walks away from his responsibility. When the daughter's killed, to me, that, the, that allows the empire to rise. That's kind of the, the dark side will rise, the dark shroud, the chosen one's responsible for that. You know, when the sun... Yeah, when so when you get, when you get to the ghost of uh, Morris Ark, uh, when he's with the sun and he's showing these visions, to me that kind of coincides with him joining Palpatine, join the sun to create all this stuff, join Palpatine to save Padme, which basically makes him you know fall to the dark. And then we get to that later where the father kills himself to because he knows when he does this, he's going to drain the power of. This son. And this coincides with in Return of the Jedi with Vader killing himself. Luke and Vader, father and son. And when the son is dying, the father says to him, There's always good in you. And that reminds me of when Luke and Vader's little comp you know, little talk. I know there's good in you. I know there's still good in you. Um and then when he's when, when Vader is dead dying, he says, You were right, you were right about me. The father's last message to him, beware your heart to bring balance. You know, the heart is, you know, Padme losing the loved ones. So I, I feel like there's a whole bunch of correlations there with this arc, the motor arc, excuse me, with the trilogy. And you can see them more as as you get more involved in this world of Star Wars, watching them and listening in it. And these two, these three episodes ring more in truth by watching everything and, and, and actually kind of listening and studying and reading. 
Yeah, and I think the theme of sacrifice in general could be its own subject overall. And it's interesting, even in the Chosen One prophecy, only through the sacrifice of many Jedi. And we see sacrifice by Jedi, so not even the sacrifice of them being killed in Order 66, but the sacrifice literally of a ton of Jedi. We have Obi-Wan sacrifices himself in front of Darth Vader, you know, for Luke. And then, yeah, we have... Luke sacrificed himself in front of Kylo Ren. We have, in this trilogy, obviously, father sacrifices himself for son, but also daughter sacrifices herself, too. So, of the Rise of Skywalker, and, you know, wasn't necessarily a Jedi, but obviously Ben Solo sacrifices his life in a very selfless act to bring Rey back as well. Really ties into the theme of saving what you love versus killing what you hate, which is a great Rose Tico line. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, you know, I look back and looking back at what I was saying before to me, as I rewatch this Mordor, I feel like Anakin is all three of these personas. I feel like he's the father, son and the daughter. This is just my opinion. You know, he's all three. Uh, These, these characters are, personifications of the um, you know of the conflict happening with his own heart and mind the mortis arc itself represents like anakin's choice he can choose to be balanced to replace the father or he can choose a dark star of light the choice is his uh, just the the son and daughter cannot live apart from the father neither can you know anakin skywalker or darth vader live without the existence of his sinner the daughter represents the light side obviously you know, she selfishly sacrifices herself to the father, just as Anakin will later sacrifice himself to Luke. And just before the daughter dies, she uses her power to save Ahsoka. Just as Padme, you know, last act is to give her life to birth Luke and Leia. You know, the son, he's the dark side, obviously. You know, he, he selfishly attempts to murder the father, but instead actually kills the daughter. You know, later Anakin will unintentionally murder Padme in his rage against Obi-Wan, with Obi-Wan kind of representing the father there. I feel like all these, I feel like this, this, these, he is these three beings, and it's just being shown to us, and obviously three different sides, the balance, the light, and the dark. Um, And that's why I think it's so amazing when you rewatch these episodes, knowing what we know now, what it is, you know, the picture that they're trying to paint, I guess, mm-hmm. for us to see. And obviously, it's taking me down 75 different paths. And it's amazing to also think what it's taking other people down, you know, as well as they watch these episodes. And I think that's why Mortis is like one of the most universally loved things in Clone Wars because every time you watch it you can get something different from it I know even a couple years ago like I said after I watched After the Last Jedi I was just connecting it to The Last Jedi even though it came out six years before The Last Jedi and now after watching After the Rise of Skywalker you kind of get a different view on it and you get a different view on what what the Chosen One is and you know what that prophecy means and you have all these different interpretations of, of what you're getting out of Star Wars. And I think that's the best part about getting new things as well. So I I know we'll get the new episodes of Clone Wars. I highly doubt we get anything as deep 
as Mortis, but I could be wrong. I've been uh, very wrong about Star Wars, especially uh, in the last couple months. So you never know what we're going to get as far as what's going to come out with Force or what's going to come out with Balance or anything like that. Do you have anything else to add on Mortis, Balance, the Force? Uh, no. I think when we talk later, I, I will have more on, not that you need us to talk more about this arc at all, but I think I'll have more to it once I see uh, Ahsoka's final chapter in this upcoming 12 episodes, because I also think there's more we could delve into with Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship in this episode in particular. Um, and if you watch towards the end of three of season three of Clone Wars, when uh, Ahsoka gets captured, or she's on that island when she's being hunted by those bounty hunters, when she comes back to Anakin, there's like this interaction between the two, and he's apologizing to her, and she's thanking him. And as they walk away, you can see Yoda just like kind of having this look like, hmm, what's happening here? Like obviously Yoda can see the future, or that's that's my take on it anyway. So I feel like. Once we watch these last 12 episodes and then we know what we know from watching Rebels and Clone Wars, I think we'll get a little better dive into uh, the importance of Ahsoka and Anakin. So that's a little teaser slash what I'm hopeful for um, with Ahsoka uh, and, and, and Anakin's relationship in, the, in these next what's 12 episodes. Yeah, 12 episodes. I'm uh, excited to see where it goes. I know a couple arcs within these 12 episodes have been definitely hinted at, but it'll be interesting to see the ones that we really don't know is coming because they haven't really released a lot. They released a trailer back in Celebration or a kind of a teaser, and then now we finally got a trailer and we're three weeks out, so we'll see how far they take it. I'm excited to see if they go into Revenge of the Sith timeline, how far they go. Yeah, if there is an epilogue somehow, you know, I don't know if we'll necessarily, we kind of know where Ahsoka's story is now. You know, with the ending of Rebels, there's some gaps to fill in now that we heard her voice talk to Rey and see what happened to her there. There's a lot of different ways it could go. We have been talking about this for a while now. I think that... We are the Charlie Day, Pepe Sylvia meme come to life with our chosen one things and probably rambled a lot. Thanks for coming along with us. And yeah, you can follow us at Force Time Pod on Twitter. We're up to 13 or 14 followers now. Very exciting. <laughs> we'll have to do a, a giveaway. About yeah, about to take off. Thanks a lot for this discussion on Mortis and anything else. Isaac, Nate, Brian, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) And may the force be with you.